0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. (coughs) Excuse me. Here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center, my name's Dave Everett, and we just uh, first of all, uh, happy Resurrection Day, happy Easter. Uh, You know, He's risen. He's alive because He lives. We live, and so we'll be talking about that this morning. I have uh, a, a special Easter message for you this morning, called, that I'm calling, entitled "Behold Your Resurrected King," and that's the title of my message this morning. For those of us who've been following us regularly, we'll resume our regular study next week on knowing the Holy Spirit, and uh, we just uh, invite you uh, to join us for both of those. Anyway, just so you know, our um, all of our messages are archived on our website at Lighthouse Discipleship. Dot org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We will be having a Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on Effortless Change, as well as we have our Bible study on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock on uh, the Believer's Authority. So anyway, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. So... Uh, uh, We also have a PowerPoint this morning, so that's kind of new for us. We haven't done that in a long time. We have some new technology that's been donated to our church, so we're able to uh, focus on on all that. So anyway, hopefully it works this morning. So if we don't, don't, uh, we'll we'll just uh, go with the flow this morning. So anyway, we're talking about, uh, it's Easter, it's Resurrection Day, you know, really, in one sense, it's kind of hard for me to have an Easter message, because in one sense, we talk about Easter all year long. Uh, it's not hard because it's hard to find something. It's just hard to uh, narrow it down to one, one message when I, I really, this is the core, this is the foundation of our everything we teach, everything <coughs> we talk about. We're always talking about the finished work of the cross, which includes his birth, death, Burial and resurrection, and it really includes his ascension as well. Those are five things, attributes that we we consider the finished work of the cross. (coughs) At the same point in time, uh, you know, the the climax of all that really uh, is the death, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And without the resurrection of Jesus, none of that matters. Because uh, praise God for his death. But the resurrection was the proof that his death was approved. That his death was sufficient. If Jesus, and we're going <coughs> to, excuse me, we're going to get into our teaching this morning, but if he didn't rise from the dead, then the, then what he tried to accomplish at the cross was not approved. And, and we are still dead in our sins and trespasses. And we'll bring that out in Scripture this morning. So we're, I'm, I titled this message Behold. Your resurrected King, because He is King, He's the King of all Kings. He's the Lord of all Lords, and He's re- He's your He's your. You can make it personal. He's your resurrected King, and there's something that we're supposed to be, because this is true, because He is resurrected, because He is your King. There's something that we're supposed to behold. The word behold in the Greek means to see with the mind. There's something we're supposed to see. There's something we're supposed to focus on. There's something we're supposed to be beholding. And we're supposed to be beholding our resurrected King. So, you know, this whole message of the resurrected King, the whole message of the resurrection, is the central message of the Bible. You know, I talk about the finished work of the cross, which I just did. The key element of all of that is the resurrection because it all falls apart without the resurrection. And not only that, in my notes this morning, the resurrection of Christ was the foundational message of the God, it's the foundational message of the gospel. It was the foundational message of the early church. In the book of Acts, the resurrection was the number one message that the early church preach that the apostles preach they preach on the resurrection it was the primary message of the New Testament not only uh, in the book of Acts but also Paul's letters uh, Peter James as, as well as other scriptures uh, brings out it's the primary message of the New Testament the apostles recognize the power of the resurrection we're going to bring out some scriptures regarding that there's power in the resurrection. And then it was the New, all the New Testament authors gave great prominence to this message, the message of the resurrection of Jesus. Again, I can't say this enough. The resurrection of Jesus was the primary message that the apostles preached and the New Testament authors preached. They preach other things, but this was the foundation. How many of you know the foundation is important to anything? Whether we're talking about a house, uh, whether we're talking about a building, whether we're talking about an, uh, uh, a family, whether we're talking about an organization like a business, the foundation is essential. You can't build on the fa- you can't build the house if the foundation is 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 shabby. The foundation has is important. They will spend more time on the foundation. The marriage is the foundation to any family. <coughs> Once the marriage is broken. The foundation for that home for that family is broken you know and you know and I'm not, there's a lot of things I can say but <coughs> you know even in school el- the elementary teachings are foundational to higher education you can't have higher education high school college uh, other education if you don't understand the basics of elementary how to read and write how to basic math uh, and how to some social skills, you're going to have a very hard time in higher education if you don't even know how to read and write. If you don't even know how to uh, simple math and <coughs> and how to, to communicate and get along with other people, you're going to have a very hard time. It's foundational. It's key. Okay. So, I mean, for example, I'm not going to go all these scriptures this morning, but in the book of Acts, I have six passages listed here uh, I'm not going to go into all of them this morning. I'm just listening to the example, but the message of the early church was about the resurrection. We'll look at a couple of them this morning, but in Acts chapter three verses two to three, it says being and I'm picking up mid-thought, because this is not my not my main message right here, but being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus' name, Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, and they lay hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. The religious leaders did not want them to preach about the resurrection of Jesus. It caused most of the apostles to be arrested and, 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 and persecuted because of the resurrection of the dead. It also said verse 10 of the same chapter, Let it be known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. He's talking about the man who was healed at the gate, beautiful, that Peter and John were able to minister healing and say, silver and gold I have not, but what you I do have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up. The apostles, Peter and John, said it was by <coughs> this man Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, that this man was healed. The resurrection of the dead was important going fast forward to chapter 10 verse 40 it talks about how him God raised on the third day and showed him openly I'm not going to all these details scripture but I I, there's six scriptures I just mentioned here in the book of Acts that I didn't go into all of them but the the message of the resurrection was the key teaching of the early church uh, and, and so that's my point I'm trying to make at this point it also, I also may mention that the apostle recognized the power of the resurrection. <coughs> There's power in the resurrection. And let me just mention a couple of verses here. I have them listed here, but we'll look at all three of these real quick. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul taught and he said that I may, he's talking about himself, that I may know him, And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul wanted to know the power of the resurrection. And if Paul wants to know the power of the resurrection, how many? I don't know about you, but I want to know the power of the resurrection. Also, Paul also said, he prayed a prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm, uh, I'm just going to take an excerpt from this prayer, and he prayed, and he's praying for us, he's praying for you, and praying for me, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, <coughs> and what is the seeding greatness of the, his power towards us whom to, to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right, his right hand in heavenly places there's a lot of things that Paul mentions here that he wants us to be enlightened to that we would know but it's all according to all everything that we're supposed to know everything we're supposed to experience is according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Everything we're supposed to be experiencing that Paul is praying, he's earnestly praying and beseeching us to know and experience for ourselves is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you if you are born again. That's awesome. That's awesome if we can get our our heads and our hearts wrapped around this truth. Right now I'm just laying the foundation. I want to get into some other teaching in just a moment. But I'm just trying to lay the foundation. The resurrection is the message of the gospel. It is the message of the early church. It also said in Romans 8, again Paul, But the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same resurrection power is uh, uh, it's alive on the inside of you. It, uh, one, one, one point I'm trying to make today the resurrection was not just an event. It's a lifestyle. It's something that is alive on the inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive on this inside of you. You can experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're going to get into that. Again, there's something we're supposed to behold. We're supposed to behold our resurrected King. Not just on Easter. Not just when we come together on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever your church meets, but we are supposed to behold the resurrection of Jesus Christ 24/7 all the days of our lives. That's awesome, if we understand what I'm trying to communicate this morning. But the New Test—you know the, the, again, the New Testament authors, including Paul, especially Paul, gave prominence to this message of the cross. Okay. But without the resurrection of Jesus, I want to mention three things. If there was no resurrection of Jesus, first of all, there would be no remission of sins. And Paul is very clear here. I'm going to read some uh, scriptures here from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, <coughs> that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the, to the present. But some have fallen asleep. Verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he hath not been raised from the dead, how do some, of, some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ from the dead, whom He did not raise up, if in fact he did, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Explanation mark. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. Paul's saying a lot of things here. If Christ is not risen from the dead, we are still in our sins. We are pitiful. We and all who have fallen asleep, all who have died are just, have perished. But I like it when God puts his butt in there. Sometimes when men put their butt in there, it's wrong. And I'm not trying to be crude, but, but B-U-T, okay? But now, when's now? Now is now, but now Christ is, I love that two-letter word, I-S, is, but now Christ is risen from the dead, and he has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. We're going to talk about this word firstfruits in just a few moments. But Christ is risen from the dead. And because he is risen from the dead, our preaching is not in vain. And because Christ is is risen from the dead, we have a hope. And we, our sins are remitted. Like I said, if Christ is not risen, resurrected, our sins are not remitted. But they, he is resurrected. And our sins have been, uh, have been removed as far as the east is from the west. God had expunged our sins. God, my favorite verse, Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him." But not, but that's only one thing. It was, if Christ is not risen from the dead, there's no remission of sins. But the second thing, and would also mentioned in this, we have no hope. You know, the word hope means the expectation of good. There's no hope. And you can't have faith without hope. We have no hope. If Christ is not risen from the dead, we have no hope. We are still in our sins. Jesus is a false Messiah, and the disciples are false teachers, including myself. But that's not true. He is risen from the dead, and we do have a living in hope, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Praise God. And then the third one might throw you off a little bit, just on the first glance. The cross was not enough. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then the cross was 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 in vain. If if Christ died on the cross, but he's still in the tomb, him dying on the cross didn't accomplish anything. But the proof is that he did rise from the dead, and that means that the cross was enough. In other words, let me say rephrase that. It's not enough for Jesus just to die. He had to defeat death, the final enemy death. He had to defeat death itself. He had to raise from the dead. The proof is that he raised from the dead. We, you can, the finished work of the cross is not, and once it's not just the death of Christ, we praise God for the cross, but the cross means nothing if he didn't rise. But he did rise. And because he did rise, the cross and the resurrection mean everything. That's we celebrate Christmas for his coming. But he didn't come just to live. He didn't come just to do miracles. He came to die. He did do miracles and he's still doing miracles today and he's doing miracles today through his church. But none of that, building miracles means nothing if we're still in our sins. But we're not in our sins. Christ died for us and he became our sin and he was crucified. And not only that, he rose from the dead. He's alive. And we have hope. And the cross was accomplished. The co- cross did accomplish something. It did take away our sins. Because Jesus became our sin. And what happened to Jesus? He was crucified. But he didn't stay in the grave. He's alive. And because he lives, we live. Okay? <coughs> so there, I, 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 I said four, five things already. That the resurrection of Christ is a foundational message of the gospel. It's the message of the early church. It's the primary message of the New Testament. The apostles recognized their power, and the New Testament authors gave great prominence. But it also reveals that Jesus is the Son of God. This is not necessarily a major point I'm trying to make out this morning. It is a major point. It's just not one I'm trying to bring out this morning. But it does reveal that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 1, 4 says, And it declared the. And he declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead is proof that Jesus is the Son of God. That's important in a sense, you know, I'm not going to go off on this. But in 2 John, the second epistle of John, those who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God are Antichrist's. But Jesus is not the Antichrist. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Okay? And there's a lot I can go on this. This is not the scope of my teaching today. But at the same point in time, the resurrection does prove that he is the Son of God. We have scripture right here. Okay? Not only does the the resurrection of Christ prove that he's the Son of God among everything else that I've already shared, but it also reveals death is defeated. Death is defeated. Death was the final enemy, and death is defeated. Okay? We'll, we'll use some other scriptures to to bring that out a little bit later. But let me just talk about this, about, you know, resurrection real quick. Let me go off on something just for a few moments. You know, the resurrection or life after death has been very diluted today in our generation. In other words, uh, that today, life after death has been very diluted. Why, why is that so? Because in Hollywood we have movies about zombies, we have the living dead, we have vampires, re- reincarnation from other religions and whatnot. We have ghost whispers and mediums and speaking to the dead. I don't know about most of this stuff, but I've heard things through the years. But when you have a lot of this type of junk, evil, it dilutes the message of life after death to the world. To mankind in general, in our generation, we didn't. They, I'm not saying they didn't have some of this stuff. They didn't have Hollywood back in the uh, uh, in the biblical times, but they did. I'm sure have some of this. Uh, they did not have mediums and did they have witchcraft and they did have some of that stuff. But it's become very prevalent. It's become very popular today, and uh, that has diluted the message of the uh, the significance. To, to, uh, when you start talking about the resurrection, it doesn't. To so some people, it dilutes some, its message to a certain degree because uh, people are already used to people resurrecting the dead from an evil and misconstrued uh, way. Uh, in other words, its impact uh, of the resurrection has lost, has been lost in some ways in our, in our generation, in this generation, in society. And you know. I just said that. The impact of the resurrection has been lost in our generation. But the resurrection of Jesus is unique in history. You know, even uh, even before Jesus uh, died on the cross, other people were raised from the dead. We have, we have examples in the Old Testament from Elijah and Elisha. Uh, 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 raising people from dead. Even Jesus himself raised Lazarus and other people from the dead. So we have. But all those people who were raised from the dead, they died again. Jesus did not die again. Jesus lives forevermore. His, his, de- his resurrection was unique. His resurrection was unique more than any other resurrection, even though we've had other resurrections, because he did not die again everyone else who was resurrected or had a, was raised from the dead, they experienced death again. You know? Uh, and it's, it's never claimed by other religions. No other religion can claim that their Savior, their their deity, raised from the dead. But Christian, that, that's one thing that makes Christianity distinct from any other religion in the world. And I don't believe in religion. We, 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 we don't preach religion. We preach a relationship with God. At the same point in time, the word religion in, in, in the dictionary just means uh, uh, your belief system. In a simple way. Well, we believe Jesus rose from the dead. It, the resurrection makes Christianity distinct and unique from other religions of the world. And it's, again, as I've been saying all, all morning so far, it's the central message of the church. It's a central message of the New Testament. Okay? <clears throat> um, but uh, we're talking about beholding our resurrected King. And in beholding our resurrected King, we need to also behold that we who are in Christ are a new creation. And I want to talk about that for almost the remainder of our time this morning. Hopefully I'm making sense. See, when Jesus raised from the dead, he was the first fruits of a whole new creation. A whole new species that never existed before. I don't, I'm, sometimes we don't think about it in this way. You know, the scripture that brings out how Jesus was the first fruits, the firstborn of many brethren. He was Even one of the scriptures we read this morning, he was the first fruits. You know, <clears throat> Jesus was, and this goes back even to the Christmas story. Jesus was not born from man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Remember the story? The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're going to be with child. And she she had a very simple question. How's this going to be since I've never known a man? She understood the birds and the bees. She understood. uh, She probably didn't have health class like they have today, but she knew enough of how uh, there's procreation. You know, she's never been with a man. Yes, she was betrothed to Joseph, but they had not uh, had intimacy yet. And so she knew, How's this can, how am I going to be a child since I haven't known a man? And the angel Gabriel uh, revealed to her that the Holy Spirit was going to conceive the seed inside her womb, called Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And how many of you know, just from health class and other things, that it's the male that has the seed? You know, and it doesn't come, it, It's not. it doesn't just... Oh, it's there in the womb no it has to be conceived by the male and i'm not trying to be crude it's just how god created things there's nothing to be there's nothing crude about it it's how god created things to be and we adam in genesis chapter uh, in the book of genesis is called the first adam jesus is called the last adam or the second adam there's two different adams two different species Two different prototypes. And Jesus not only uh, did not commit a sin, he never knew sin. He never There was never sin in his genes at all. Even if he never committed a sin, he would not have rose from the dead because uh, his sacrifice on the cross would not have been sufficient. He didn't even know sin. He had no, there was no sin. But we've all, naturally speaking, have been born from Adam. No matter what color, what race you are, we all come from Adam, naturally speaking. (laughs) Okay? You might not agree with that, but that's what the Word of God says, and that's what I believe, and that's what we teach. At the same point in time... We're, when we talk about being born again, we're not born again of natural seed. We're born again. The Bible says in 1 Peter one twenty-three. I don't have the scripture on the on the on the PowerPoint point, but we are born again of incorruptible seed by the word of God. We're born again. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren, and when Jesus rose from the dead, it was the beginning. Of a whole new species. That never existed before. Okay. There's a verse. Uh, we'll get to here in a minute. Was, this is the new creation. We are told we are to behold. In 2nd Corinthians 5.17. Well what does 2nd Corinthians 5.17 say? I'm glad you asked. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold. All things have become new. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. And I want to go backwards for this moment. He's the beginning of a whole new species. And if we believe on Jesus, and more specifically, I'm going to get into it. If we believe in the resurrection, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we're going to get there eventually. We become born again. We become a new creation. And we're supposed to behold that we are a new creation. So in other words, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but this is one of my major points I want to try to come across today. When we Jesus rose from the dead, it's the main message of the New Testament. It's the main message of the of the apostles. It's the foundational message. Our sins have been remitted. We have hope <coughs> and we, we we have hope forevermore. But we're also a new creation. Because Jesus resurrected, we resurrected too. And we're going to get into that. uh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain all that in just a moment. okay? But there's something we're supposed to behold. because, Because Christ is on the inside of us. We're supposed to behold our resurrected King. But we're also supposed to behold that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Not only did Jesus rise from the dead. But we also who were dead in our trespasses and sins. We rose from the dead too. God told Adam when you eat of that tree you will surely die. Now, he lived 930 years. He didn't die physically, but he died spiritually. He was alienated from the life of God. And all mankind through Adam was alienated through the life of God. But Jesus came, he died, he took our sin, he, he crucified it, and he rose again. And because he rose again, we can rise again too. Jesus was the first person to be begotten from the dead. And it says in Romans 6, 4, that... We too can be raised in newness of life, but he was the first person to be gotten of the dead. He was the first person to be raised from <laughs> excuse me, be raised in newness of life. But when you have the first person, when you have a first fruit, you know it always, it always bothers me when I see I go right down the street down the street and it says there's the first bank. I go well, where's the second one? Where's the first one? The first assembly of God. Cool! What is the second one? What is the third one? You know, and I don't know if you're catching my joke. If not, just let it go. But Jesus was the firstborn. And the firstborn tells me there's going to be more. There's more. He's the first one begotten from the dead. And we do celebrate that. We are celebrating that today. We celebrate that every day. He's the first one been raised in newness of life. Romans 6-4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through the baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're talking about Resurrection Sunday, and here we are. We too have been raised from the dead into newness of life through Jesus Christ, our resurrected King. And that's what we're supposed to behold. This is powerful if you you can get your your religious mind wrath around this thing. So not only was Jesus begot, the first one to be gone from the dead and raised from the news of life, but he's the first one to be born again. Now in one says he was already born of incorruptible seed, but he he when he rose from the dead, I'm not going to turn to the first passage here in Corinthians, but he had a glorified body. Remember the the, the time when they were were talking to Thomas and he walked through the wall? How many of you can walk through a wall? (laughs) Okay? Some of you walked into a wall, you know, and you got bumps and bruises to, to tell me about it. But Jesus had a glorified body. We too will have a glorified body. when We haven't received this one yet. We have been raised from the newness of life, spiritually speaking, but we have not had a glorified body yet, but we will. We will. It's coming. Okay? But he also says in Romans 6, 9, that knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Remember how I said, there's been other resurrections throughout history. Even Jesus raised people from the dead, but they died again. Jesus rose again, and he dies no more. And when we have risen again, spiritually speaking, we die no more. We might die physically, but spiritually, if I die today, if I die in this moment, whatever it might happen, Jesus, whatever it may happen, I'm going to, I'm going to see my Jesus face to face, and I'm going to be with him in glory. I might die physically, but my, spiritually speaking, I was dead. I'm alive now. I'm in, re- rose, I'm in newness of life with Jesus Christ. Spiritually speaking, it's my spirit man that was born again. It's my spirit man. <coughs> That raised from the dead, and it's my spirit, man, that will die no more. That's awesome. That's something to have you happy about. And none of that would be possible if Jesus did not rise again. He's the first fruit of many brethren. Okay, again, the first fruits from the dead. Jesus was the first fruit <laughs> from the dead. Jesus was the first born again creation of his kind to be resurrected. And when God said in Genesis 1, 11, that every seed be produced after its own kind, we too, if we receive Jesus and we too become born again, we also can experience a resurrection. We're not going to receive a glorified body until Jesus comes again. But we will be resurrected. From a, We were alienated, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we have been resurrected into newness of life. That is something to shout about. And if I don't preach anything else today, that's worth, that's, that's a worth a hearing again and again and again. And that's why we suffer. None of that would be possible if Jesus didn't rise again. But he did rise again. He is on the, the right hand of God. And because he lives, we live. Not just later, we live now. We might not have the glorified body yet. that We can walk through walls, among other things. But we have a resurrection... We are spirit, soul, and body, and our spirit, man, is born again. We are new, we are supposed to, the old has passed away, the new has come. And you're like, well, you say the old has passed away, and the new has come, but I still, if you know, I still look like I was when I did before. If you were, Andrew Andrew Womack talks about if you were fat before you got saved, you'll be fat after you got saved, unless you go on some diets and exercise. You know, if you didn't know math before, you got born again, you're not going to know math after you got born again unless you learn math. But spiritually speaking, you are a new creation. We're supposed to behold, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And what's born again? The spirit man. He was dead, but now he's alive. He's born again. And Jesus was the first born again creation of his kind. Okay. That means more born again resurrections to come. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have believed on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have become born again. You have been resurrected, spiritually speaking. You are the first. He was the first born from the dead, and you too have been born again from the dead, not to die again. That's awesome. Colossians one eighteen says, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things may have pre- preeminence. What does preeminence mean? It means that he's the first. It's the first of his kind. I got a little ahead of my notes. I have something written down regarding that. Let me just catch up with myself here. Um, sorry, right. I'm trying to... got ahead of myself. Let me find out where I'm at. Pre- preeminence uh, I looked it up. It means to be to be first. Jesus is Lord of all. He's uh he, he he's uh I can't even read my the context of this. You know, Jesus is the first. He's the preeminence, he's the first one uh of all, of all this. He's the firstborn from the dead. Okay? And, uh, sorry, I, I, I lost my train of thought with looking at that word. I was re- and actually where I got a lot of this definition, I was re- looking at Andrew Womack's Living Commentary, and that's where he brings out the definition of this, you know, from the uh, uh, Greek Dictionary. So anyway, uh, let me get back on track here. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn. If we have received Jesus, we also are born again from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Okay, he conquered death. He was raised, and Jesus had an eternal body. He, he, um. Anyway, I'm uh, sorry. Again, I'm trying to catch up with myself and my notes here. Again, so he's the first first from the dead. Jesus was the first born again creation of his kind to be resurrected, and all born again believers are now new creations. They're all born again as well, okay? And that means uh, our new born again spirits are born again. They're new creations. That's what you know. We need to stop beholding our. You know, even Paul, you know, in this, I, I'm quoting when I talk about being uh, new creations. I quoted already Second Corinthians five seventeen. But in 2 Corinthians 5.16, the verse before, even Paul says, we know no man after the flesh. Even Christ. You know, what does that mean, even Christ? The apostles who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, they knew him in the flesh. But Jesus is no longer in the flesh. He's born again. He's resurrected. He has an eternal body. And we don't know no man after the flesh. Why? We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have been born again. (coughs) If I've been born again and I'm a new creation in Christ, you are born again and you are a new creation Christ and I should see you as God sees you. You are a born-again believer. Okay? I have a new born-again spirit. You have a new born-again spirit. And we're born of an incorruptible seed. 1 Peter 1.23 What I've already quoted. We're born again. This seed that we're born from is not corruptible. It can't die again. <laughs> Okay, the seed can't die again. Uh, this body will, will will get a new body. This body can decay, but we're going to get a new glorified body that cannot die. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to my new uh, heaven suit. I got my earth suit, but I got my heaven suit coming. And it can't die. You know, and I, and, and, but my spirit man cannot die. You can't do nothing to touch my spirit. It's bulletproof. Because it, it, if I die, I go be with the Lord. <laughs> Even Paul talked about this. But if I'm here, you know, by the same point in time, because I am here, because I still have an earth suit, but I, I, have, I have authority in this earth. Paul doesn't have authority in this earth. Okay, why? Because he, he's not living in this earth. He's living, but he's not living in the earth suit. That's a whole other message. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But... but we, spiritually speaking we are resurrected Jesus was first and if Jesus wasn't the first there would be no more but he was the first and we can be resurrected as well <coughs> I've been quoted left and right so let's look at it again 1 Peter one twenty three says having been born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible seed through the word of God which lives and abides forever it doesn't die Again, Jesus is the first fruits from the dead. Jesus was the first born again creation of his kind to be resurrected. All born again believers are new creations, and and we are born again, of incorruptible seed. But we also, well, I've been talking about it. We will also receive a glorified body at the second coming. That hasn't come yet. That part we have not experienced yet, but we will. And uh, but the other part. Our true us, uh, our spirit man, has been born again. It has been raised from the dead. Okay, and not only are we born again. Not only was Jesus the first born again creation of His kind. Not only are all born again believers new creations, but the same resurrection power takes place in all who believe on Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. How do I know that? Because I've been quoting it the whole time. But in Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is awesome, folks. Jesus died and rose again. if we believe with our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be resurrected. We will be saved. Okay? That's awesome. That's the cornerstone. This is where we get the believers prayer the sinners prayer okay so that's awesome let's go forward so resurrection we're celebrating resurrection sunday but it's more than just one day why it's happening daily all around the world every time someone gets saved someone gets born again here's this gospel message there's a resurrection taking place spiritually speaking that's something to shout about because the, the angels shout in sing places when one comes into the kingdom. Why can't we? That's there, there's no greater miracle. You know, if we're not about seeing people get saved, then we might as well close our doors because that's what we're here for. We're here to see people get born again, and that should be exciting. That if that was the primary purpose of the church, that should be our primary church purpose. You know, I was part of a denomination years ago. I was administrator for some of the churches and whatnot and did some pastoral. And they had a financial report that they had to turn into the the corporate office every month. And on that report, there was three questions. How many people got saved? How many people got filled with the Holy Spirit? And how many people got uh, healed in your church? And I, most of the churches I've been to, it seemed like almost every month it was zero zero zero. That's, that's just a bad commentary. If people aren't getting saved filled with the Holy Spirit and healed in our churches, what are we here for? What are we doing? You know? I'm all about making disciples, and that's part of our, our ambition to the church too, not a to whole other message. But at its core, we should see people getting saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit and healed. It, you know, and um, but when people get saved, they they just raised. They were dead, and they said that their trespasses and sins. There was a resurrection that took place. You might not see it because it's a spiritual thing, but it's the greatest miracle. Because if they're not born again, they're going to a hell, a devil's hell. You know, I know that's not a popular message. And we're not here focus on that. We're focused on what we do have in Christ. But we want to preach Christ to the world, the resurrection to the world, so they can, don't have to die and go to hell. They can live and live forevermore with the king of kings and the king of kings. We can't be so selfish that we're born again. We're looking forward to go there that we don't care about our fellow man that they, we want them to go too. If you're... So excited that you're born again, and you want to go, but you don't care about your fellow man being born again. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's selfish. There's just something very selfish and self-centered about that. Praise God you're born again. But our ambition, church, I know a lot of things are going on in our world, but it's time for revival. It's time for people to be born again. The church is the head and not the tail. We should be leading people to Jesus. Especially in these last days. Because it was every time people believe in the resurrection of the dead, there's a miracle taking place. It was the key message of the gospel. And daily they were being saved by the thousands. And then it even grew uh, when you get to, I think, about chapter 5 of Acts, and began to multiply. There's a difference between 3,000 being added to the church and the church multiplying. I did learn some basic math, and I I remember learning multiplication more frequently in fourth grade, but the numbers grew a lot larger when I started multiplying versus adding. When I get a calculator and I get 10 plus 10, it's 20. But if I go 10 times 10, a 100. The church begins to multiply. And, and sometimes in some of our churches, we're lucky if we get one person, and let alone 10 or 100 people getting saved. And I'm not trying to compare this church with that church. I'm just saying, church, we have a job to do. We want to see people believe in the resurrection of Jesus so they can experience the resurrection. Themselves. It's not just a day. It's our message to the world. Okay? Every born-again believer has experienced their own resurrection when they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus raised from the dead. The resurrection was a key message because you can't be saved unless you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You can't be saved. You can't have your own resurrection until you believe that Jesus raised them. It's a central message. You know, when, when uh, people are water baptized, this is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking that they can quote this verse. I'm looking that they believe that Jesus died and rose again for their sins. I want, them, I want to hear from their own lips that they believe this. Because if they don't believe that God raised from the dead was raised from the dead, then according to scripture, I can't be I can't affirm that salvation. I want to hear that they believe, not just they can quote the scripture or re- repeat a prayer, I'm okay with repeating the prayer, but I'm looking that they believe Repeating a prayer can be, prayer can be part of the confession here, but I want to know that they believe in their heart that Christ raised him, God raised him from the dead. And yeah, they believe that. No matter what they prayed, no matter what else is going on, they're saved. They're saved. And if they're saved, they've been resurrected from the dead. Spiritually speaking. Okay? Resurrection is more than today. Every born-again believer has experienced their own resurrection. Every born-again believer has has life, life, life takes place of death. Every born-again believer, light drives out darkness. Every born-again believer Faith replaces fear. Every born-again believer, joy replaces depression. (coughs) Every born-again believer, your spirit is raised from the dead. It was separated, it was alienated from the life of God, but now it's been raised from the dead. And every born-again believer will receive a bodily resurrection at the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is just a short list of uh, summarizing some awesome things. But we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Okay. it's more than a day it's a day we reclaim life from the dead not that Jesus rose from the dead but that we also too have risen from the dead because if we believe in the resurrection we're saved it's not enough that Jesus died and rose again if we don't believe it it's, a, it's, a, it's our message it's a key foundation but if we believe it we've been raised from the dead we're not, we're not saved if we don't believe this message but if we do believe this message, we are saved. It's a day that we, now, we proclaim life and the death. It's a day that we believe in his resurrection. We become resurrected ourselves and we become translated into the kingdom of God. Because it says in Colossians 1.13, I'm going to read from the King James. It says, he, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Folks, I'm talking about this morning about beholding our resurrected King. The operative word is resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead, but He's not just resurrected; He's also our King. And we have not only been raised from the dead; we are not only we're dead and alive, but we've been translated into a kingdom. And a kingdom, is, to me, is a comprehensive word. Is a king where a king has dominion, kingdom. And we were part of the kingdom of darkness. But we've been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. And the resurrection proves that He is the Son. I've already established that. Okay? But it's more than a day. It's a day we proclaim life under the dead. It's a day that we, we believe in the resurrection. It's a day that we, 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 we become resurrected ourselves. And we are translated into the kingdom of God. And we become set free. It's a day that we become set free from the power of sin. It's a day that we become set free from the grip of death. It's a a day that we become set free from the bondage of the law. And it's a day that we become set free from the power and the slavery of the corruption that's in this world. There's a lot more I can expound on all these. I don't have time to go into all that detail this morning. But it's a day that we, we, not only were we resurrected from the dead, Ourselves, but we were translated into the kingdom and we were set free because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I can even add another one here. It's the day that we receive the power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. It's awesome, folks. It's more than a day of remembrance. This Easter, the Resurrection Sunday, is <coughs> more than a day of remembrance. It's a day that we became born again, and we were do we were translated into a kingdom, and we were set free. Okay. So it's a day that we they remember. We proclaimed. It's more than the day we remember. It's a day we proclaimed life of the dead, and it's also a day where our flesh was crucified from this world. I'm kind of, what I'm kind of expanding on right now is I'm going backwards real quick here. There's a corruption that's in this world. How many know this world is corrupted? (laughs) There's a lot of evil. But we, through the resurrection, through this being translated to the kingdom of God, we have been set free from the power and the slavery. I don't have to be, I'm not under the the king, I'm not under the lordship of this world. I'm not under the, the slavery of this world. I've been set free. I don't have to submit to this world. Now, I'm not saying I disrespect leadership. They're not a whole other teaching that Paul and Peter talk about how we need to, to respect and pray and honor our leaders, even evil leaders. Evil leaders. Joseph honored evil leaders. Daniel honored evil leaders. Okay? All to a point. There's a line they didn't cross. They didn't bow down to images that they didn't want to. They didn't, they didn't you know, Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Manly go, got thrown into the fire furnace. You know, John got thrown on island Patmos. All the apostles were, were martyred. Well, they tried to, they tried to, to boil John. He just wouldn't die, so they put him on the island. You know, but we've still been set free. I don't have, to, I'm not a slave to this world. I'm a child of God. Okay? But... It's a day, it's a, this, dead, this resurrection that we celebrate, it's more than a day, remember, it's a day that we proclaim life of the dead, and we also, our flesh is crucified to this world. If we were raised with, you know, what I'm really preaching right now is Romans chapter 6. We were crucified with Christ, and we were raised with Him in the newness of life. Okay? We behold, and we reckon, ourselves to be dead to sin, in the light of God. This is important, folks. This is what I'm teaching this morning. I, I titled this message, Behold Your Resurrected King. There's something that we're supposed to behold. And this word behold, it actually comes out the word reckon. We are, there's something that we're supposed to reckon. We're supposed to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. That's the crucifixion. And we're alive to God. You know, some people only preach the word dead to sin. But we need all to preach that we are alive to God. We too have been resurrected. Okay? What I'm quoting from is Romans 6 and 11 from the King James. Likewise, reckon or behold, you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus. Who's Christ Jesus? He's your Savior. He's the one who died and was crucified. You were crucified. Verses, uh, this is verse 11, verses 1 through 10, already right, establish the fact that you were crucified with Christ and you were raised with Him in newness of life. And if, if you are crucified with Christ, if you are born again, you are dead to sin and you are alive to God, you need to reckon that. You need to behold that. You are alive. You need to behold and reckon yourselves dead to sin. So, and I'm going to wrap this up here. in just a few moments but the title of this message Behold Your Resurrected King i bring out this word behold several times but when I'm talking about beholding your resurrected King and right now this the last part of this message I'm going to focus on this word King if Jesus is Jesus your King? who's your Lord? who's your king who's your master which kingdom are you in are you dead are you alive are you in sin are you are you dead to sin or in sin are you dead in sin are you in sin are you alive to God are you dead or alive are you resurrected are you still in your sins because the Bible says in Corinthians that if Christ did not raise from the dead, we're still dead in our sins. But Christ did raise from the dead. If you have believed on Christ, if you have believed on the resurrection of Jesus, then you are, you are alive. And I already established the fact that we are alive unto God. We need to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. <coughs> I'm going go back one more slide. We need to behold, we are dead to sin, and we are alive to God. that's who we are. We're not in sin anymore. We are in Christ. If we are in Christ, we are alive to God. That's why Paul said, reckon yourselves to be dead to sins, but alive to God. And if you are alive to God, and He is your King, I'm talking about beholding your resurrected King, if He's your King, who's your Lord? Who's your King? What kingdom are you in? Have you not been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son? Who's your master? Are you dead or alive? See, I'm talking this morning about beholding your resurrected king. Sorry. um, I I think I'm missing a slide here. But beholding your resurrected resurrected king. Let me just say it this way. I'll just follow my notes here. Your Lord... Is whoever you continually, faithfully submit yourselves to. Whoever you continually and faithfully submit yourself to, that is your Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Do you continually, faithfully submit to Him? Or are your circumstances your Lord? Are you faithfully, <laughs> continually submitting yourselves to your circumstances? How about sickness, a disease, COVID? Are you faithfully, continually submitting yourselves to sickness? Are you continually, faithfully submitting yourself to the lust of the flesh? Now, I'm not just talking about immorality, even though that's definitely included. Depression. Your flesh wants to be... You ever try to encourage someone who's depressed and they just will fight you to be depressed? they fight you to be sick? to fight you to be... You ever meet someone in a bad mood? And you try to console them and they just bite you back? That's the lust of the flesh. Their flesh is like, I'm in a bad mood and I I don't want you to get me out of that bad mood. I'm going to stay in my bad mood. That's lust. It's the same lust that someone who has an addiction to whatever it is. They will fight, they will kill, they will steal, they will do it to, to feed that addiction. Depression. Anger. You ever try to console someone who has an anger management problem? You know? I don't have a an anger management problem. And they do that with, a, with anger. And they, they just prove that they have an anger management problem. Because they couldn't even say that without anger. Anyway, that's a whole other. The cares of this world. Are those your Lord? Do you faithfully and submit, continually submit to the cares of this world? I get it. We have things to do. I get it. We have life to do. And I, I, I am no way ever preaching passivity. To be passive and be complacent and laziness. At the same point in time, I will work and I will work hard. I work all the time. People will tell me I work all the time. But I I do enjoy. I love what I'm doing, first of all. But I, I, but I my work is not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Okay? I work and I like what I do. I like being... I don't work just to work. I, there's things to do. But I'm not submitting to the cares of this world. I can lay any of these things down anytime. time. Okay? My emotions... Am I commin- continually faithfully submitting to my emotions? Am I allowing my emotions to control my life? To control my mood? To control my attitude? Okay? Again, know ye not that whom ye serve, you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of the sin unto death or of the obedience unto righteousness. I got the wrong reference up there. I can uh, 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 That's not Romans 6.11. Let me find it for you real quick. Uh, Romans 6.16. Same chapter. Five verses later. <coughs> Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not. It's the same context of the verse well, Romans 6.11 that says that reckon yourselves to be dead and sin and to the lives of God in Christ Jesus. It's the same context that says, Know ye not. <clears throat> to whom ye yield yourselves to your servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. If you don't reckon yourselves to be dead and sin to alive to God, you will obey sin. you will obey your flesh because you haven't reckoned yourselves to be alive to God alive unto God. If you I mean the only way you can live righteously, it's because Christ is doing it in you. If you don't reckon yourself to be alive to God, Christ in you cannot live his life through you. Paul said this way in Galatians 2.20, 2, It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You cannot boast in yourself for you living a righteous, holy, godly, prosperous life. You can only boast in Jesus. You can only boast in the fact that you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you can boast in what you've done and not boast in what Christ has done to the the cross and the resurrection of death, then you have made yourself your own God. And you're saying, Jesus, I don't need Jesus. And that's baloney. You do need Jesus. You need Jesus. Whoops. But I'm going to yield... I'm not gonna yield to I think I go forward. I'm not gonna yield to my circumstances. I'm not gonna yield I'm not gonna obey my circumstances. I'm not gonna obey my sickness. I'm not gonna obey the lusts of my flesh. I'm not gonna obey the cares of this world. I'm not gonna obey my emotions. I'm gonna obey Jesus as my Lord. And I'm gonna serve him. I died to the world. I died to the flesh in Jesus Christ. But I'm a I'm dead to sin. The word sin, in you know, the book of Romans, the word sin is used 47 times. 45 of those times, it's a noun, not a verb. It's talking about who you are, not what you do. It's talking about your sin nature, that Jesus said he became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to serve sin. I'm not going to serve my flesh. I'm not going to serve my flesh nature. I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to behold my resurrected king. Because I'm dead. I'm dead to sin. And I'm alive to God. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And so therefore I was dead in sin and trespasses. But I'm alive to God. I'm I'm not a servant to this world. I'm not a servant to my flesh. I'm not a servant to my emotions. I'm not a servant to anything else going on in this world. I serve Jesus, my Lord and my King. James 4-7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. A lot of times we come, we, we quote the last part of the verse that we tried living the, we tried living this life in our own flesh, in our own strength, and we're resisting the devil, resisting the devil, resisting the devil, and never thought the, the thing that it starts from a place of submission. We submit to God, then resist the devil, and he flees. I'm submitting to God to the fact that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my king. He's my resurrected king. I reckon myself to be dead to sin the life of God. And I am not going to serve my circum. I'm not submitting to circumstances. I'm not submitting to my lust of the flesh or the cares of the world. I'm not submitting to sickness. I'm not submitting to COVID. Even the COVID came in this body or this house, I rebuke it. I submit to God. I resist COVID and it will flee. See how that works? And it works for everything. I'm not going to submit to my emotions. No, I'm going to tell my emotions, put your hope in God. Trust God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Put your hope in God. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. I'm not going to submit to them. I don't obey to them. My emotions, my circumstances is not my king. Jesus is my resurrected king. And I was crucified he was the firstborn of many brethren. And I've been crucified. And I've been born again. And Christ is alive. And see, and the same power to raise Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of me. And that's how I live my life. That's how Paul lives his life. That's how the apostles live their lives. We're talking about beholding your resurrected king. And true freedom. True freedom begins with the recognition of, Of who your Lord is. Again, we're talking about beholding your resurrected King. That's what we're talking about. And true freedom begins when you recognize who your King is. And it's not you, it's not your flesh, it's not your circumstances, it's not society is jesus so who's your king who's your king personalize this i'm i titled this message behold your resurrected king who's your king who are you beholding your circumstances your problems are your king because you're dead to sin and you're alive to god in christ jesus Are you going to, are you beholding your bondage? Your problems? Are you going to behold your freedom that you have in Christ? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm going to end with this. John 8.36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? Behold your resurrected King. I want to be in freedom. We should live in freedom. It's for freedom that He has set us free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He is risen from the dead. And we need to behold it. You know, when I think of beholding it, I need to be reminded every single day of my resurrected King. I need to be reminded every day that I've been raised from the dead. I need to be reminded every day I need those reminders. I, you know, it, it, I mean, you can just go through the, 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 the issues of life from brushing your teeth, making breakfast. All that was natural. Even that, I forget who I am in Christ. There was nothing sin about it. There was nothing wrong about that. Some of you are glad I brushed my teeth. Some of you are glad I, I, I ate today. Because some, some people, if you don't eat, you get grumpy. You know? And I get there's times of fast and all that. That's different. But even then, uh, Isaiah 58 says if you're fasting and you you're, you're, you're can't get along with one another, what's the purpose of fasting if you're fighting with one another? That's a whole other message, and I'm not going to teach on that. But Isaiah 58 t- talks all about them. Uh, you know, there's no reason why we should be fighting and picking on one another if we're fasting. That's a, that's, it's counterproductive. It's wrong. You know, and uh, it's not even a true fast. Uh, that. That type of behavior. But when you know who you are, knowing you you, you be okay with God, but you'll start living better. You'll start living, getting along with people. And you won't be living in fear. You'll be living by faith. And we, we want to see miracles. We want to see awesome things. This is where it starts. Because the same power that raised Christ from dead lives in you. And when you are reminded who you are and what you have, you can start laying on the hands on the sick and they will recover. You can start raising the dead. You can start doing, Jesus said, freely you receive, now free to give. We have freedom. That's kind of what we're teaching right now on Believer's Authority. We haven't gotten to the heart of it yet on uh, Wednesday nights, but we're talking about Believer's Authority. When you know who you have, you have authority. Because you, you are resurrected. And you have the same authority Jesus, your resurrected king, has. Because he's living on the inside of you. And he was the firstborn of many brethren. And as Peter and John said, after they were born again, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, he said to the man at the gate, beautiful, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That's the way the church is... And you read Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4. It said, I mean... It said there was no needy among them. There was no needy. I I, th- I think that there was nobody sick. There was no there was no financial issues. Why? Because the, the, the gifts were being operated and all kinds of things were going. Church was happening. You know, you might get beat up in the world, but come to church, come to your resurrected King and get restored and get healed and get recharged and get fired up with more boldness. That's what they prayed for too, also in Acts chapter 4. And these people, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have live stream, and they were turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. They tried to boil them, they wouldn't boil. They did all kinds of stuff, but they, you know, they turned the world upside down for Jesus because they preached the resurrection of the King. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we are so grateful. That you rose again. It's not just an Easter message. This is the message of the New Testament. This is the message of the Gospel. This is the message of all messages. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because this is the beginning. This is where the church was born. This is where we were born again. Teach us how to behold our resurrected King every day of our life. Bless us as we go. In your name we give you thanks. Amen. God bless you guys.